Welcome back to Trending in Education. Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones, and myself, Dan Stravert, here. And this week, we're talking about the World Cup, about some predictions around the World Cup, and much more uh, around the games happening over in Russia. Uh, but first and foremost, I always like to find out how Brandon and Mike are doing. Mike, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay, but I, I seem to have come down with a little bit of World Cup fever. I don't, I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but uh, but this weekend, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of... Uh, uh, excessive exuberance, uh, some of the symptoms, uh, uh, maybe uh, a little earlier intake of, uh, of, uh, of party activity on the weekends, uh, which, which I'm not necessarily as built for anymore. It can but, get a little uh, messy. It can, it can but, uh, but it's also just, I feel like uh, we like zeitgeists. The, the World Cup, it's like a world-level uh, thing that's happening. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm coming down with a little bit of the, the World, Ca- World, World Cup fever, but, uh, but you should catch it yourself. Brandon, uh, can you match Mike's enthusiasm right now? Can you bring sure the same can. level? Sure I, 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 knew, I knew you could. No, but um, the I said sure can't. Uh, my enthusiasm is uh, on par with your listening ability. Um, <laughs> the, uh, oh, Dan, I heart you. Um, yeah, I'm excited about World Cup too. Uh, for the for the for the U.S., it happens every eight years, uh, oh, yeah. so yeah. it's a little sad. Um, but uh, you know, as a result, I've been, I think, actually more interested in other teams than I might have been had the World Cup been in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I got the fever. I'm, yeah, man. I'm, I'm ready to. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to bring it. Yeah, and uh, just be ready, listeners. You may catch it uh, before the show is through. <laughs> Uh, great point. Uh, U.S. not in it. They did get the 2026 games, though, World Cup yes. games. So we have, they we got a third of those games. Yes, yeah. right? It's, it's North America. Take which, that, Morocco. They may also not qualify automatically for it, which is even better because they may host and still not automatically qualify. But that's still to be decided. Uh, these games in Russia, uh, throughout the country of Russia, so uh, games throughout uh, time zones and locations therein. There have been some great matches thus far. Uh, I will point out uh, the uh, typical goal announcer, the one who screams goal yes. and holds it, uh, used Boom goes the dynamite as one of his calls uh, this mm. past week in English, which if you haven't seen that YouTube video of the college uh, sports anchor struggling to do, uh, that is from that. I, I love how he has brought himself to the world and the world to soccer uh, by using different pop culture references throughout his uh, game calls so far this weekend. Um, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Some great games, some great goals. Uh, Mike, you made mention of, of AI. You made mention of uh, some animals too that are out there that are predicting how these are going to uh, go. What's your, what's your favorite prediction model coming into this World Cup? Is it the AI? Is it the animals? Is there a specific animal that really piques your interest? Oh, wow. Yeah, you went, you, you went deep into, uh, into something we we're talking about. Sure. I thought we were going to talk about the goal guy. Because uh, <laughs> I was just making a, a, a point of, of personal. But if, you ha- if you're into I know I've seen you tweet I, a couple of times. I love the, the goal guy. Like for me, I love watching on Telemundo. And I, even when I watch it in English, after a goal is scored, I like to have <laughs> Telemundo on quick switch, you know, like where you hit last channel. It's just so that I can see how long he says goal for. And uh, I, didn't have, I didn't get the stopwatch out. But he was pretty excited after Mexico scored that goal against... Uh, Against Germany. Germany. Yep. Yeah, that's a surprise. That, that was a big one. Do you think that he's um, good to have in goal-setting exercises, like in a corporate <laughs> setting? Would he be good? Like, did we reach our second quarter goals? Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, sorry, we're running out of time. Uh, we appreciate the enthusiasm. Can but... he only say that word <laughs> no, that no, way? He's, he's got range. He's got boom, got boom goes the dynamite, Dan, right? He, he's he used a few different. Word, oh, goal. Uh, yeah, can, can, do you think he just in his how, normal parlance he just I, slips into? I how short he can go. With yeah, goal. yeah, that's, <laughs> goal. 
it's an interesting question. But but getting back to where you uh, you wound up with the question, man, the second half of that question was about predictive models and how to predict who's going to win the World Cup. And uh, we did a little research. Uh, we saw two camps. One camp is the AI machine learning camp. And the, and the other is Dr. Doolittle. The other is, <laughs> the other is smart animals doing something that uh, indicates a prediction in honor of Paul the octopus, right? So this, yeah. all, this all goes back to Paul the octopus in 2010 who, uh, who got hot. And, Did some uh, cephala predictions. Some cep- he's a cephalopod yeah. who, uh, who, who, who had a good read on, uh, on the beautiful game, right? It's, it's called, true. It's called the beautiful game, It's right? the beautiful game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Paul, uh, sadly, we, we looked at his Wikipedia page. Sadly, after the 2010 uh, World Cup, Paul, by October, was, uh, was going to the great uh, cephalopodic prediction camp in the sky. Uh, <laughs> Did he end up on some sushi uh, chef's <laughs> table? He's in, he's in upstate New York. Everything's fine. He's, he just went to a farm. There might be a maki roll with his name on it. Yeah, yeah. But, but by now, it's no good. I mean, sorry, it's too soon for Paul. But anyway, a bunch of different, too late for Paul. Bunch of different animals uh, have also predicted uh, the World Cup. And... Uh, yeah, we thought we thought that uh, that was pretty interesting. I took a fancy. I liked the camel. Okay. And uh, Shaheen, Shaheen the camel. Yeah. And then obviously the pig. I mean, like the it's the mystic pig, right? Is that mystic the, Marcus? <laughs> mystic yeah, Marcus. That's right. Yeah. So as much as we like uh, machine learning and uh, and simulations, uh, where like there's a separate article that we'll share, which is talking more about random forests and. Uh, Poisson uh, simulations and uh, and uh, what's the other part? There's a ranking parameters and such. Uh, that's cool if you want to get all quanty about yeah, it. Yeah, I think let's get quanty in a second. But yeah. I think just to to put a, a bow on the on the animal predictions. Yeah. Um, first, like if you want to predict the 2026 yeah uh, World Cup. Uh huh. And you need to like, if you're an octopus farmer, right. You got to start early. You got to start early and you've got like, cause you, you know, this is just by the law of math. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb Yeah, uh, with an octopus. You got a lot of those. Uh, I, I think that it, this is just chance. Right. 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 Well, I mean, you know, uh, it could that's be a hot take. It's a hot I don't take. Know. I don't know. But I think it's just chance. I think if you want to have the psychic camel, Mm. Or pig, yeah, or or there's some others, uh, baby pandas. Yes, <laughs> elephant got, was one. Got shut down too, I sadly. know, I yeah. know, that's that's sad. Yeah, um, uh, Achilles the cat. Right. If you want to have an animal that's yeah. going to be predictive, sure. What you need is lots of animals, right? I think so you can have like the not predictive ones. Yeah, like fruit flies. Like you could breed. Yes, like, you could breed like millions of fruit flies and then you're gar- guaranteed to like one pick of a perfect bracket one of them's gonna be amazing yeah one of them's gonna be amazing yeah um but it, it it does show uh i think there is something human about this there's like this is zoomorphizing a human condition here like we mm-hmm. want we we like the allure of thinking that um, things can be prognosticators, like mm-hmm. that there is a, you know, uh, uh, Mystic Marcus, what was his name? Magic Marcus? Mystic Marcus. Yep. Mystic Marcus, like the fact yeah. that there could be a Mystic Marcus, like that appeals, there's like a, a draw in there yeah. for us. Maybe it's that there's like, um, we, self, we ourselves ascribe more meaning to our own lives than the math would suggest we should. Mm. Uh, maybe just, that may be too deep for, uh, for here. But, uh, but I, I do think that's part of it. 
um, that, uh, that we like. It's fun, but it's also like there's something deeper about why humans like these animals that can ostensibly predict. For sure. They're um, like the oracles of the old days. Yeah. And like, you know, people, sorry, uh, sorry, Mystic Marcus, but even like the entrails. Uh, I know it's getting yeah. macabre. It is. <laughs> as I like to you say. You got some poisson and I some macabre. Some poisson in there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, uh, and then contrasting that, so like this whole mystic quality of having these animals predict for us, I think the juxtaposition of machine learning predicting for us yeah. is kind of interesting. For it's, sure. It's the same idea. It's like we have to externalize beyond human intelligence because like there's probably somebody in the world who's going to go close to perfect as a right. human. But we're kind of like, who cares about that? <laughs> give me some that, animals. That's all luck. That's all luck. Give me some uh, machines and machine learning and uh, – and that stuff got kind of interesting because, like, the random forest simulation. Yeah. Should we try to talk about random forest for a second? We could try. A Are we going to miss it for the trees? <laughs> I think we might. Possibly. So, do you want to start? No, please. You're, you're ready to go. <laughs> I was ready to talk about Marcus the pig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, may, I maybe should be sticking to, to swine myself. But um, so, this is. Uh, comes is a combination of machine learning and conventional statistics. Yeah. This is random forest approach is what we're talking about here. Um, and the, the reason that they are using a random forest is uh, when you look at the decision tree, which I think is where the forest comes from, um, in the later stages of a traditional decision tree predictive analytics, um, there is, because of two small samples, there is... Um, uh, over, I guess, overfitting mm -hmm. is the, uh, the, the name of the term. Yep. So um, this is a, an attempt, random forest approach here is an attempt to solve for that. So it's, I, I get my understanding, which is, you know, if, if you are a, if you're a quant yeah. uh, at us, right, uh, we're, right. we're, we're ready. <laughs> we, uh, we don't mind being corrected. Or, um, or, or if you read this article and understand it better than us too, that we'll also <laughs> take an ad from you there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Just add us for, for any reason. We're lonely. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, it takes, instead of, I guess, uh, calculating every branch mm -hmm. it takes um, clusters of randomly selected branches mm -hmm. and then combines all of those into a sort of a superset of each of those data points yep and that that is more predictive than the more traditional way or so they'll have us believe or so germany would like to believe because i yeah. think germany was the winner um from the random forest uh process mm -hmm. uh, here it may may have been through i'm sure it was through other um more traditional uh, decision tree um uh analytics sure um but uh interesting uh, interesting to see so we'll, we'll see if as you said if it ends up being more predictive but um I think the, it, it's interesting to me that there are uh, better and better quant solutions that involve more machine learning. Yep. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about on this pod about what humans can uniquely do. Computational gymnastics is like the best place for computers to do better than what humans can do. Which, which will be interesting to see how that plays forward this tournament. Because I, I do feel like the there's a decent chance. I think the two most highly probabilistic outcomes were uh, Germany and Spain mm -hmm. based on this simulation. And they were both coming in around like, you know, high teens, mm -hmm. you know, so like not a highly probable yeah, that's outcome. Right. So like, you know, I bet if we, if we let Marcus the pig 
give us the chance of all these different things happening, <laughs> he probably would have landed somewhere like a random, uh, random forest distribution right. where right. you're like, you know, you know, like, which is like the average World Cup fan would probably be like, well, I think uh, Spain and Germany are pretty good and so is Brazil. Right. And like the average World Cup fan probably would have said that, just wouldn't have had a, a fancy uh, algorithm with, uh, you know, trees and forests and uh, poissons uh, to, <laughs> to sound, uh, sound clever about. So like, what if we were to equip a mystical animal with some machine learning? I wonder what they would, like if or Marcus- vice versa. I, or you think Marcus is already using uh, some random forest distributions? According to his owner, he's 100% accurate. So take well, that for go. what it's worth. And apparently, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like all of the other uh, mystic, uh, <laughs> mystic Matthew was was sent to the bacon uh, factory. It's very much like Puxitani Phil. Too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We look to animals because they uh, they're tuned into something. I think that's right. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I, I think that the just one more point on this, the, um, you know, your note about the offering up the most likely outcomes, uh, predicting a winner sounds deterministic or it sounds, it sounds, um, it, it is necessarily singular mm-hmm. in, in its, in its outcome. Right. And, and either Germany, the prediction of this, you know, random forest approach, uh, will win or it won't. Mm-hmm. And that won't, um, in, in a single, uh, outcome prediction, it may or may not be representative of what the model actually was was saying was more or less likely. Right. So um, my, my my hope is that the you know the the forest wouldn't be thrown out with the bathwater um, <laughs> if in fact Germany is not the winner here because I think this is I mean obviously we're talking about a, uh, a tournament with um, thirty two teams yeah. and uh, you know the application of this is maybe limited, but the app the application beyond the World Cup of this kind of statistical um, and, and probabilistic modeling, I think it's pretty neat. Except that if Germany doesn't win the World Cup, machine learning doesn't work. I'm all that's, out. That's, it, that's, it, that's, that's the only other point here. It tips over into the trough, trough of, of, disillusionment. of disillusionment. And, and what's going to start on the hype cycle is uh, smart animal herding yes. is going to be the new <laughs> way to do it where you get as many animals and you start training them now for, for especially for 2026 that's eight years from now if we were to take all the investment in ai and uh, reapply that to you know what the a is smart animals animal intelligence oh the new ai you just did something yeah there. i like that yeah i'm all in uh get some bald eagles some turkeys you know some united states animals to to get on there uh well and, we have we all know some turkeys in the U.S. Too, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, a site that we also shared around called theirworld.org uh, that had a, a pretty interesting approach to the World Cup uh, by looking at each country's education rankings and uh, going group by group. So for those of you who don't watch the, the World Cup, uh, the first set of uh, games are part of what's called a group and all the teams play against one another. Those that are most successful then move on to the elimination bracket that happens later on. Uh, this summer. So you play a sort of a round robin style, you accrue points, and then the best teams move on uh, to the elimination. So they went uh, group by group. We have uh, A through D. We're going to look at those uh, here now, and then we'll look at uh, the rest uh, on through what's at E through H uh, through uh, a new episode later on uh, when those are released. But Brandon, uh, taking a look, uh, it's an interesting approach to thinking about the World Cup and how education is around the globe. Obviously, the United States not included here because they're not at the World Cup. Uh, but for us and, and what we do here, an interesting take uh, to look at how these uh, teams, in fact, these countries stack up against one another. 
Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, again, shout out to theirworld.org. Uh, thanks for providing the material for the next uh, 10 minutes or so of listening. Um, you know, there's there are different factors and facts that are reported for every country. So some of them are pretty consistent, like the literacy rate, which I'll come back to in a second. Um, uh, the number of years of con- compulsory um, K-12 style enrollment. Uh, and then there's some sort of fun facts and star facts that are presented. So it's a fun, it's a fun read. Check it out. Uh, we'll link to it. It's probably in the glossary. Um, the uh, one of my takeaways: the literacy rate is really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if we were doing this, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, 40 years ago, something divisible by four, mm-hmm. uh, it probably wouldn't have been. So that, I think that's a, that's something that we should probably feel good about the the literacy rate and it's not in every country i think nigeria is, was the one country in uh these four groups where it was below 70 percent. but right. most of which is that's that's a thing that that hopefully folks nigeria is a big country sure uh, yeah. lots of that's that's a lot of not yet literate people right uh, some work to do there mm-hmm. um but most of these the, the literacy rate is you know 95 percent or plus or, or up yeah a lot uh, of 99s and 100 and yeah. a bunch of hundreds mm-hmm. hundreds seems unlikely might be some rounding up there i maybe? think there's some rounding up mm-hmm. uh round up for what um but i thought that was that was one thing that was uh that was interesting to, yeah. uh, to me well it's also it's nice to see that trend line moving towards more uh closer to 100% literacy, which, which is awesome. Uh, and then even in the developing world, countries like uh, Nigeria uh, are uh, closing that gap quickly, uh, similar to when we talked about the Mika report, where we still got to get your, uh, you just spit some fire on the Mika report because uh, we knocked that out. With I, I know. While you're out. Yeah. But, I heard uh, that was a good episode. Though, it, 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 it was. I uh, was a listener, not a participant. Well, well was, we would have, we'd, we'd love to get your 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 takes, but uh, but it was one of those things where like you know, internet adoption is is now more than fifty percent of the world has access to the internet, and like with that access, generally comes literacy, uh, among other things. So like these macro trends are reflected in the breakdown of the educational uh, situation and all these different. Uh, um, countries. But at the same time, it was interesting. Uh, you know, Oxfam released its 15 question quiz, which we'll also share on Twitter, where by the third time I did, I got 15 for 15. <laughs> good. And I tweeted that out. Preparation yeah. matters. Preparation matters. You can take it as many times as you like. Uh, but, uh, but one of the one of the, uh, the things they talked about was the uh, uh, average income in Switzerland versus the average income in Senegal which uh, was a pretty, uh, you know, the median income per capita. And it goes from close to like 82,000 for, uh, for Switzerland. And it was inside $100 per capita in Senegal. And um, interesting to think about purely as a, as a football fan, just to think like, wow, you know, these companies, sorry, these countries with, with higher uh, per capita income can spend more, they have more resources to spend on the development of their, their soccer programs. Uh, which is why it's always nice to see these countries that are um, maybe not as uh, economically advanced competing on a level playing field in soccer. Harder to do that when it comes to education, but it is exciting to see some of those gaps uh, narrowing as sort of access to technology and access to, um, to new capabilities is sort of closing some of the gaps in the developing world in a way that maybe we haven't uh, seen historically. So uh, obviously those income disparities are sobering, but it is exciting to think about how those gaps 
ultimately may be narrowed. And then one of the things in the Meeker report we talked about is like, you probably get more return on your investment trying to help the, the sort of the, the, the underserved co- countries where like, you know, unlike Switzerland, like investing in an education initiative for Senegal or Nigeria, probably a better investment than one uh, uh, in Switzerland, especially if you're thinking about um, sort of the weak link side of the problem, like where people actually just need basic access to, uh, to get to another, uh, another level of understanding um, and even maybe close some of those literacy gaps that we were uh, talking about. But um, yeah, I think their world is, a, you know, this is the first I really saw that uh, company exists, uh, .org, and um, they're, uh, they seem to have a nice mission. I mean, they're really trying to, trying to help us understand children and how children understand education uh, all over the world. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, some more fun fun facts uh, from their world. So first fun facts from that, I I, uh, I like that you you got in that as a football fan. That was good. Good, <laughs> good, for, you, good for you, Mike Palmer. And then also I think trying to get countries on a level playing field is perfect right. for World Cup. There's some- On there's, a level on a level pitch. Ooh, is yes. That, is that what we should say? Yes. Um, so some interesting things in, in here. So we were looking at the, the first four, uh, four groups, um, which, uh, I, I'm going to read the, the, the countries just, is this fun in the first four groups? Is this fun? It's fun for me. <laughs> it's fine. There's 16. So it's group A is Russia, Uruguay, Egypt, yeah. Saudi Arabia, uh-huh. or, group B, Iran, Portugal, Spain, and Morocco. Uh-huh. Um, group C is France, Denmark, Australia, and Peru. Yep. And group D, Croatia, Argentina, Iceland, and Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in hearing some educational facts about a World Cup team that's not in those 16, you won't. But stay tuned. But stay tuned because you may, you may in the future. Um, so a, a couple interesting things that I saw. One, um, uh, compulsory... Uh, education in France, they're, they're about to lower the age from six to three. Mm. And they noted that only 2.6% of students under the age of six don't already attend school. Mm-hmm. And uh, compared to Saudi Arabia as, uh, as a comparison country in different group, but in this group we're talking about, um, where 26% of students under the age of six go to school. Right. And, I, you know, we've talked a lot about early childhood education. I, I think, um, I, I would hope actually that uh, this conversation that we're having, that, that the listeners hopefully will engage in, folks can start to think about what are some of these comps, the comparables across different countries and where might there be intervention? Mm-hmm. Uh, France also spends 21%, I think it's France, maybe it's Switzerland, spends 21% of its budget on education. Like mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an incredible number. And um, you know, I, I do believe the children are our future. You've sung that to me, I have. Mike. Uh, just for the record, just on the podcast. Just, just on the podcast so, um, so far. But I think, uh, I hope this is inspirational for folks to start to look at some of the educational achievements of these different countries too. I also found it interesting, the talk of the uh, ratio of teacher to student, uh, which we do talk about a lot uh, here in the States, seeing I think it was Iceland had the lowest uh, number of 10 to 1 uh, in uh, elementary or primary school. Uh, so an intriguing model to, to determine what sort of uh, individual uh, 
instruction students may be getting in Iceland that they may not be getting in, you know, Uruguay or the United States because of that uh, higher ratio of 25 to one or 20 to one that we see in those classes. Mike, uh, anything final to, to wrap here on uh, A through D, uh, the World Cup? I know we do have talk of also uh, some FIFA addiction uh, that we'll talk about uh, on a later episode that you brought, yeah. uh, brought up as well. A- any final thoughts here before we toss to Brandon for the same? I just think we need to figure out what the world would actually compete in if we were to actually run this as a series of competitive events. Cause I think that'd be interesting. Like, you know, uh, how do you, how do you give, uh, like a quiz bowl style, uh, context to this and then how would you it's almost like you'd have to randomly uh select the players on the team you'd have to normalize for uh language differences and and those sorts of things but uh that might be kind of fun you know like i always uh i enjoy uh you know the my earlier exuberance uh would uh would probably be uh at least as high if not higher if it was like a quiz bowl style uh world cup where like we the problem is then it becomes just like your your top i guess it's the same thing is true of soccer though like because you wind up just having it's athletes and mathletes yeah it's the, same, it's the same thing yeah yeah and i did uh by the way i did drop my math mathletism uh uh with uh when we had the esports guy where i was we were talking to sean swiderski and uh i was analogizing my career my high school career as a mathlete to his uh, esports career playing Halo. Nice. It's basically the same thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. But, uh, but it'd be fun to think about. Maybe, maybe uh, e-gaming actually is an interesting uh, dimension for that, uh, that, that kind of uh, global competition uh, to see where people actually land. Because otherwise it's going to be a bunch of analysts looking at numbers, uh, which is tougher as a spectator sport. So I feel like if there were a way to turn this into more of an actual game, uh, That'd be pretty exciting. I'd be into it. And what we've learned on this episode is we need less numbers and more animals predicting sports. So uh, I yeah. think that is a good way to go. Brandon, any final thoughts here uh, on groups A through D, the World Cup, uh, or uh, future topics that we may discuss around this uh, episode? Yeah, I just I think it's good, the World Cup. Um, you know, it's a, it's a time when different countries come together, different cultures come together in a competitive environment that doesn't involve guns. Right. Uh, if the Russian hooligans stay off the streets. Yes. But, you know, I... I think that's actually really important. And this is true of the Olympics. Um, but, you know, the, the uh, football, soccer being the game the world plays more than maybe other, any other game other than track, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's probably runners everywhere. But right, right. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really good. And, uh, and I, I actually hope, what I was just saying earlier, that um, in this sort of exchange of ideas and sort of cultural sort of rubbing up against one another, I, I hope there is um, some focus on education also and that, uh, you know, outcomes on the pitch may be one thing, but, uh, but outcomes, uh, you know, in, in life and, and um, sort of uh, what's, what's ahead for folks, that even in a four-year time frame, I think can move, like th- these needles move slowly, but they, they do move. Mm-hmm. So uh, my hope is that uh, discourse uh, gets into uh, that course. Yeah, baby. And uh, we keep talking. Great stuff from Mike and Brandon. As always, thank you for listening. Also, I want to take a brief moment here to say thank you for making June our most listened to month here on Trending Education of All Time. Uh, big uh, thank you to everybody who downloads and listens. Want to hear from you on Twitter. Find us at Trending and Ed. Of course, it's Trending and Ed on Facebook as well. TrendingInEducation.com. We'll be back with, uh, next week with a new episode of Trending in Education. Trending in Education.